0: If you have your bibles with you please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 4 and 5 save that opening 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 4 and 5 the title of my message this afternoon for some of you this morning is Living in the power of the promise. Living in the power of God's promises. Let me say this before we go on. One of the first signs or indications of a spiritually awakened soul is a deep devotion, an intense hunger, and a love for the word of God. Those are the first signs of a soul that has been spiritually awakened. I recall when I was first born again, I had this intense hunger in my spirit for the word of God. I couldn't put it down. And that desire to learn more and more about Jesus, the one who rescued and saved me from my own self, In such cases where a a soul or a person or a family has been spiritually awakened, the Word of God and the promises of God are given the highest place of honor and respect in the heart and mind of those who have spiritually awakened. These promises of God begin to take on a new meaning for them and they become alive and active in their everyday life. Spiritually awakened people, they talk about the Word, they meditate in the Word, they obey it, and they love spending time in it. they rehearsing it. Now, here are some quotes from a spiritually awakened souls in Psalm 119 verse 97 the word says how I love your law it is my meditation all the day in Psalm 119 verse 127 says therefore I love your commandments more than gold Yes, then find gold. Remember, these are the testimonies of people who are spiritually awakened. Jeremiah chapter 15 and verse 16 says, your words were found. He's speaking to the Lord and he says, your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy of, and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts." What a wonderful testimony of a person to say that he loves the Word of God. Now for some time now, this has been my prayer that the Father of all mercies would bring such a spiritual awakening to his church that will restore the honor, the respect, and the obedience to His Holy Word. And I believe when we reach that place of honoring God's Word above all else, it's then when we start living in the power of His promises as opposed to living by the wisdom of men. This was the Apostle Paul's aim when he went to Corinth, preaching and teaching the Word of God. Listen to what he says to them. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 4 and 5. He says to them, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of god the apostle paul here is contrasting the wisdom of men versus the power of god he said that when he came to them preaching christ and him crucified He did not come with eloquent words of human wisdom, but he came demonstrating to them the power of God through the spirit so that their faith should not stand on the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You know, there are only two ways we can live life on this earth. Either we live life based on the wisdom of men and what man says, or we live our life based on the power of God that is contained in God's promises. Now, living in the power of the promise means that we live by the power of God that he promised us in his word as opposed to living from the wisdom of men. That's what it means to live in the power of the promise. Or we live in the experience of God's promises as opposed to living and depending on what man wisdom says. The Apostle Peter said something very profound concerning this subject in the opening verses of his second epistle. You can turn there with me, please, to 2 Peter chapter 1 and we're going to read verse 4 from the new, from King James as well as the New Living Translation. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. In the New Living Translation, it says it this way. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Peter says that by the grace and the mercy of God, we were given exceeding great and precious promises. These are the promises of God. Now, these promises enable us to share or to partake in God's divine nature And by doing that, we escape this world's corruption that is brought upon us by human and carnal desires. In other words, what Peter is saying here is that God has given us a way to escape the cycle of corruption in the world by placing our faith in God's promises. Through these promises, he says, We are enabled to live on another level, a supernatural level, defying the limitations, the impossibilities, and the restrictions the wisdom of men has placed upon us. Wow, that's powerful. Those who live by the wisdom of men or trusting in the wisdom of men are restricted and limited in their capacity. Those who live by trusting in the power of God's promises are empowered and released to do great things through God. Here is a question. How does that practically work? How do we live in the power of the promise of God? I mean, God has given us promises in every sphere of life where our health is concerned, where divine protection is concerned, where divine provision is concerned, where our relationships are concerned. In every sphere of life, God has given us exceeding great and precious promises. Now, how do these promises work? How can the promises become a living experience in my life, in your life. It's one thing to read the word of God and to find out what the promise says, but it's another thing living in the power of that promise and experiencing what that promise gives you or what that promise promises you. Well, this is how it works. Everything in the kingdom of God works by faith. And without faith, nothing works in the kingdom. When I believe a particular promise that is given to me by the Spirit of God, the power of that promise, because the power is locked in the promise of God, that power becomes available to me, enabling me to accomplish whatever that promise says. The power to live in the experience of the promise is in the promise itself. Luke chapter 1, verse 37 tells us, For with God nothing is ever impossible, and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. That's in the Amplified Translation. For with God nothing is ever impossible, and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. This is one powerful statement that Luke makes. He says no word from God is void of power or impossible of fulfillment. In other words, the power to fulfill what is promised is locked up in the promise itself. I want to say that again because this is so important. The power to fulfill what God promised you is locked up in the promise itself. The way we release that power is by putting the promise into action. That's how the power is released. We put that promise into action in our lives. In other words, we believe the promise. We act upon the promise. We confess that promise. That's what faith does. Let me give you a practical example just to demonstrate what, I, what I'm talking about. Philippians chapter 4. Turn there with me, please, to verse 12 and 13, and I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Philippians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Paul here is writing to the Philippians, and among other things, he says to them, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything i have learned the secret of living in every situation whether it is with a full stomach or empty with plenty or little for i can do everything through christ who gives me strength now if i believe that promise that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, then I am empowered by that very promise to face any situation, to live under any circumstance with a thankful heart and a victorious attitude. That very promise delivers me from a defeated and a complaining attitude and liberates me from the corruption of the human desire to resist God's dealings with me. That's what that promise does when I release my faith in that promise. The power of the promise enables me to resist human pride and become humble and pliable in the hands of God who is forming and shaping my character to become more Christ-like. The context in Paul's statement concerning his ability to do all things through Christ is that he's able to cope and live with all manner of hardships and difficulties life often presents us with. And that is a very powerful promise that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Now, we don't have to react to those circumstances like the people of the world do, by grumbling, by complaining about the situation that we face, but we can face it with faith in God's promise and be thankful we have the strength of Christ at our disposal, to help us deal with it. And that's how we live in the power of that promise. I recall many years ago, in fact, it was the month of July 1987, and it was my first trip to the United States of America. God connected me to a very spiritual mentor uh, who became my spiritual father, Father Sevio Stefano. And by revelation, I went to see him and visit with him in Destin of Indiana, uh, actually Fort Wayne, Indiana. That's where he lived at that time. To cut a long story short, he came to pick me up from Chicago International Airport. And I had great expectations uh, because I, I thought or I assumed that he will invite me to stay with him at his house and spend as much time as possible with him. Well, to my disappointment, he didn't invite me to stay at his house. He invited me to stay in one of the communal um, uh, properties that a lot of students, university students were staying there. And that room was so tiny. I cannot tell you how small it was. Maybe maybe four feet by six, all it had was a small table and a bed. That's it, nothing else. Well, the moment I walked in that room, that spirit of oppression or depression just came over me and my heart started grumbling and complaining. And it was the first time where I saw that verse of Scripture that I read to you from Philippians that made so much. Uh, it was like this: the Holy Spirit highlighted that verse that I could do all things through Christ. Remember, I came from from Zimbabwe. We we had a, a luxurious home upstairs, downstairs. We had um, three helpers in the house, and and you know all the amenities, amenities, whatever you call them, and comfort. And here I was, never washed in my life, never ironed my clothes, and being put into that small room, man, it was depressing. But I recall I lifted my hands to the Lord, and I began to praise Him and thank Him from the depths of my heart. Immediately, that spirit of oppression just departed from me, and believe me, for six weeks that I stayed in that small room, I had some of the most amazing spiritual encounters with the Lord. And they stay with me. They stay with me until this day. It was an awesome experience in God's presence. But I wonder, what if I continue to complain and grumble? I would have missed what God had in store for me. And so many, so many of us, instead of being thankful, humbling ourselves and giving thanks to the Lord, even in difficult times, we start complaining and grumbling and we miss what God wants to say or what God wants to do in our lives. I thank God for that promise that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, let's look at another promise. And I'm, I'm showing you and demonstrating to you how to live in the power of God's promises. And um, Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. And I'm going to show you how we can live in these promises that God has so graciously given us. 1 Corinthians, or rather 2 Corinthians 5:21, King James says, For he that is God made him that is Christ. To be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I'm going to read that from the Amplified translation as well. He made Christ who knew no sin to judicially be sin on our behalf, so that in him we would become the righteousness of God, That is, we would be made acceptable to him and placed in a right relationship with him by his gracious, loving kindness. Now, living in the power of the above verses that we read, as believers in Christ, we live our lives free from guilt, free from shame or condemnation. Because in Christ, we have been forgiven and made right with God. The Bible says we have a right standing with God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. That means if I'm going to live in the power of those words, I don't have to live with a sin consciousness anymore. I don't have to live under the yoke of guilt or condemnation all the time. Why? Because I know that I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. I have been accepted in Christ, and I am loved unconditionally as a child of God. That, of course, sets me free from thoughts of rejection, emotions of rejection. I don't have to perform to be accepted by God, because in Christ, He has already accepted me. And he loves me unconditionally. That is a wonderful promise to live by the power of those words. What it means to be made the righteousness of God. Meaning that I am in right standing with God. Nothing stands between me and God. He has accepted me in the beloved. And he has forgiven me and justified me as though I had never sinned. What a wonderful promise. Now, this is the reason why I always encourage people that in the areas where they have succumbed to the wisdom of men and they have been enslaved by the thoughts or the words of men or the practices of human wisdom to go to the promise of God that refers and speaks direct to their situation. And I encourage folks to stay with the promise until the promise stays in you. I cannot repeat that enough times. Stay with the word. How long must I stay with the word? Until the word works in you. Until you experience what the word promises, you may have to stay for months on that particular promise. You may have to go on for a year or more. Some people take longer than others. Stay with the promise until the promise stays in you and becomes part of you. Just like you eat food every day. And you digest it and it becomes life to your physical body. Even so, the word of God must become life to your spirit and to your soul. Because the word is spirit food. Amen? Are you listening to me? So you got to stay with that word, no matter how long it stays, until the promise becomes part of you, setting you free, from the dominion of human limitations and weaknesses. Hallelujah. Are you still out there? Praise the Lord. Let's look at another area in which the word of God promises freedom and promises us deliverance from the power of debt and borrowing. I know this is where many of us are. This is not to condemn you, but this is to encourage you to start believing the word of God. Most of the people on this planet live under the dominion of debt. Many believers are also enslaved by excessive debt, which they have accumulated over a period of years. Now listen to what the Word of God says concerning this matter. Proverbs 22.7 says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Romans 13, verse 8 says, "Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. The Amplified says, Keep out of debt and owe no man anything. In the blessing of Abraham, Deuteronomy chapter 28, one of the blessings of the Lord is, he says, You will lend to many nations, but you will not borrow because of the Lord's blessing. Now, if you listen to human wisdom, they will tell you you cannot live or function in this world without borrowing. But God's wisdom says you can. We have a choice. Amen. We we have a choice to live by the power of the Word of God and the promises of God or by the wisdom of men. Believing the promise releases supernatural ability to live above the realm of financial limitations and constraints. And this is not me saying so. This is what the Word of God promises. And to be honest with you, I have proved that in my own life. Both my wife and I, while we even lived in Zimbabwe, we ran a business. We never had to borrow from anyone. We ran our business debt free. We ran our lives debt free. Engaging God. But this is what I did I engaged the Lord and I've put into practice the laws of sowing and reaping. And we were able to live free from debt. The world says you cannot live without debt, but God says you can. I chose to live by the power of that promise. And I'm encouraging you to engage your faith, to exercise your faith, to aim your faith in a direction that soon will set you out of debt, will set you free from the dominion of debt and borrowing. Now, we need to understand that everything that God promises us, it must first of all become part of us before the power of that promise is activated and released. It becomes part of us, as I said to you, when we keep feeding on that promise, when we keep meditating on the promise, when we keep listening to that promise and stop listening to anything that is contrary to the promise of God. You got to shut your ears to the voices of the world. There are too many voices out there that promises many things. But we need to learn to open our ears and incline our ears to the wisdom of God and shut our ears to anything that says anything different. We also need to understand that every promise in God's word is conditional. I say that again. Every promise that God has given us is conditional. And the condition primarily is faith. The power of the promise is activated and released by faith, but faith must be accompanied by corresponding action. James says in James chapter 2 and verse 17, So also faith, if it does not have works, deeds, and actions of obedience, to back it up by itself is destitute of power, inoperative, and dead. So our faith must be accompanied by corresponding action. Every promise from God demands a corresponding action. Let's take, for example, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. This is one of my favorite promises in the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. We're going to read this from the New King James Version as well as the Amplified. God promises us in this verse that God is able to make all grace abound toward you so that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. What a powerful promise. The Amplified says, and God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. What a powerful promise from God. Here is a promise from God himself, our Heavenly Father, enabling us to live in all sufficiency, and abound in the grace of generosity by supporting every good work. But the promise, though, is a result of fulfilling the condition in verses 6 through 8 of the same chapter. So let's look at verses 6, 7, and 8 of the same chapter. This is the condition. Paul says, but this I say, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. We conclude, therefore, in order for us to live in all sufficiency, and be able to support every good work in our sphere of influence, we need to become generous in our giving and in our sowing. Amen. This is how God expects us to live, to live by faith, to live by giving, and not by borrowing. In order to reap, Paul says, a bountiful harvest, we must also sow bountifully and become cheerful givers. Amen. It's like a farmer going out there sowing his seed with expectation, with joy that he's going to reap a bountiful harvest. And so it works in the realm of the Spirit. What you sow, the Bible says, it's exactly what you're going to reap. So, as believers in Christ, we have accepted, I believe, that's my opinion, and it's evident. And we have submitted to too many of the world's wisdom, world's methods. And as a result, we have limited ourselves. We have restricted ourselves from being and doing what God has called us to do. We have given in to the wisdom of men as though it was gospel. Man says you can't do it, so we believe him. No, we shouldn't and believing and standing in the wisdom of men I believe has cost us as a church a great deal. We need to come to the place where we give honor to the Word of God above above all others. In other words we put the Word of God first place in our lives. The promises of God must become the highest and most respected authority in our daily lives. And I believe when we reach that place where God's word is given the highest honor, then we will live by the power of the promise and experience every blessing that God has given us in Christ Jesus. And that's the way we should live, living in the power of of God's promises in every sphere of our lives. Would you say amen to that? I believe that with all of my heart. That's why we should reject the wisdom of men and embrace the word of God and live by the power of his word. Let's close our session in prayer, then we will open it up. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for giving us exceeding great and precious promises for by these you said we become partakers of your divine nature and thus we escape the corruption the decay of this world. Teach us we pray to live in the power of your promises As you bring about a spiritual awakening to our soul and to our spirit, to our family and to our churches, Lord, we pray that you would restore the honor and the obedience that is due to your holy word so that you may be glorified through your church in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And everybody said Amen and amen. I trust that you have been encouraged and blessed by what I shared with you, by some of the examples that I've given you, and that you begin engaging your faith in the promises of God. Don't just read the Bible. Meditate in it. Soak your spirit and your mind into those promises, as I have said to you, and let those promises become part of your daily life. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.